Welcome, friends, to the Agora Network Ministries program, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our hosts, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie Gallant, share practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and stigma inside the walls of the church. Through interviews, stories, and Christ-centered devotionals, along with dialogues with leading Christian mental health professionals and network ministries, our hope is that you, the listener, will learn and experience that hope and healing can be found in a holistic approach for body, soul, and spirit. Our prayer is that you become more aware about the importance of your mental health and be willing to make the changes you need to become a healthier you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Again, welcome to this program. Now, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie. Well, welcome to this evening's show called Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health. And we're zeroing in on the church in these programs and the pastors as well. And uh, tonight we're uh, talking to Shannon Farrell. And Shannon Farrell is a, a nurse, uh, a parish nurse now. And she has uh, much training in the nurse department, but more, uh, more so in the mental health nurse area. So it's good to have Shannon with us today and we're going to be talking about what a parish nurse is and also talk about self-care. That's one of the most important things in our mental wellness and our mental well-being uh, is uh, how we take care of ourselves, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the body a little bit today as well and self-care uh, but uh, we might talk about a little bit about soul care, the inner life as well, because they're connected. So uh, welcome, Shannon. I'm glad you're with us tonight. Thanks, Ellen. It's a great uh, privilege to be here and to be talking about something that is so passionate um, and dear to my heart. Shannon, tell us a, a little bit about yourself personally and professionally. So... Um... I, I'm married. Uh, my husband and I have been married for just a little over 30 years. We have four children. Um, they are all uh, adults, all in their 20s now. None of them are married currently. Um, that has to change, right? It does, yes. We're kind of on the edge of that. I'm hoping that in the next uh, year or so, I've, my one son has a very serious relationship for, the th for three years now, and I keep pushing him and say, come on, yeah, you got to get, get moving on get this. Get it done. <laughs> so we're hopeful there because she's a lovely girl and um I, I feel like she's already a part of our family anyway so it's like it's just the natural next step come on let's just do this um so yeah we're hopeful that hope in the next year or two um he'll be able to to take that next step but mm -hmm. yeah currently uh we live in Cambridge we actually just moved here a couple of uh, months ago, which was a huge change for my husband because he grew up in Guelph and lived in Guelph all of his life. Um, so whereas I have kind of moved around a bit, I grew up actually just outside of Sudbury, up north. Mm. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so uh, moving around was something that was normal to me, but um, it wasn't for him. So I'm really excited to be in a new home. It's, it's really felt like home for us, which I'm grateful for. Um, and so um, let's see what else. We have three dogs. We love dogs. We are a <laughs> huge dog family. And I always tell people when they come over, you're the guest, the dog lives here. So <laughs> if you don't want dog hair on your clothes, don't sit on my furniture because oh. my dogs are allowed to go wherever they want. Um, so yeah, we, we probably spoil them, um, but they are definitely a great source of uh, mm -hmm. compassion and therapy for us. So we, we really love having them. Um, my background is as a nurse, um, hence the title parish nurse. Um, so when I first went into nursing um, many years ago, um, my desire actually was to work in obstetrics. Um, I loved babies. I still love babies, but um, I just felt that uh, working in the labor and delivery would allow me to have you know, just an extended amount of time to cuddle and snuggle with babies and just to be, to experience the, the magic and blessing of life. Um, I mean, I know not all situations end up positively, but uh, for the most part, it's a very uplifting area of nursing. And um, I really wanted to experience that. And I actually spent six weeks in a labor and delivery room before I graduated in hopes of obtaining a position after I graduated. That unfortunately did not happen. And when I graduated, I worked, ended up working in an office and um, one of my colleagues that I was working with for several years there had invited me to join the team at the Homewood and the Homewood is a, a mental health institution or a psychiatric institution in Guelph. And uh, they were looking for RNs. And I was not excited about mental health mm -hmm. at that time. Um, I was afraid of it. I really didn't sure. even know how to care for individuals that struggled with psychiatric issues. And it was not something I wanted to get into. And I kept putting her off. Um, but she kept pushing. Right. And so and I decided. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say uh, that's true for a lot of people. They they are scared of it and they don't understand mm -hmm. it. So they stay away from it. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so to get her off my back, I decided to <laughs> book an interview. Um, and I was totally honest and transparent in that interview saying that I really didn't know anything about mental health and it was not my first area of um, where I wanted to work. And yet they hired me mm. and that started my mental health career. Um, I actually made myself available throughout the entire hospital. So I worked in a variety of different areas. Uh, the addictions unit is where I ended up spending most of my time, but I worked in the acute care unit or the, what they would call an active psych unit, which is where the really unstable patients would come. Right. And, um, yeah, I worked with Gero Psych, which is like the um, individuals who are over the age of 55. So a lot of dementia and Alzheimer patients mm -hmm. that were very unstable. Uh, lots of aggression on that floor. 
uh, worked in uh, concurrent disorders, which is, right. you know, someone that struggles with a mental health plus an addiction. addiction. Um, so yeah, so I worked in a lot of areas and I just grew actually to, to really love and appreciate uh, the field of psychiatry. Mm. While I was there um, working on the addiction unit, one of the components of the program was spirituality. Uh, and for anyone that works in healthcare, you know that you are not able to really openly share about your faith. If it comes up in a conversation, you can, you can participate in that conversation, but you're not really to um, convert to someone or, push. yeah, exactly. You can't push your faith on someone else. And when you're talking about something like spirituality, where you know, I had a, a one track mind where it came to spirituality, it was really hard for me to sh shift that thinking to incorporate all thought processes when it came to spirituality. And so I ended up um, talking with a friend of mine who is also a registered nurse, and uh, just kind of sharing some of the struggles that I had with that. And she actually was the one that introduced me to parish nursing, and mm. said, Shannon, you'd be really good in this field. Yeah. And I went, I don't even know what that is. So hey. I spent some time exploring what a parish nurse does. So can and you after... just unpack for us what a parish nurse is? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so basically a parish nurse is someone that bridges health care and spiritual care. So um, sort of biology with theology or psychology with theology. Um, and like so that. usually a parish nurse brings to their role whatever um, skill set they have. And that could be whatever area that they've worked in. Um, and they, they partner with the pastors. I mean, pastors are often bombarded with health care issues. Uh, in fact, history has shown us that pastors were, are were and still are one of the first points of contact mm -hmm. that someone will come to when they're struggling with something. That's um, right. And so because of that, you know, pastors are not necessarily trained to deal with a lot of that stuff, but their time was consumed with right. dealing with a lot of healthcare issues. And Shannon, uh, so, uh, what I have uh, just learned that six out of 10 pastors uh, are not trained when it comes to mental health. And you have many people going to the pastor, as you said, but they're not trained enough to really handle the questions or even to help them on a mental health level. Exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. really a, a, it's a concern. Right. Yes. Yeah. So the parish nurse then can step in to help guide, right? And to help in some ways, even just provide some training for pastors on things to look out for, especially when you're dealing with mental health. But, you know, parish nurses deal with all sorts of different um, diseases and disorders. Um, so yeah, so she becomes a partner to the pastor while bridging the gap to the, the healthcare field. Mm. Um, so she can, she can sort of offload some of that pressure that a pastor may feel. She, I keep saying she, there are some male nurses as well, and I realize that. <laughs> I was just going to break in and say, you know, my son is uh, studying to be a nurse, so yeah. uh, it's a uh, they. 
<laughs> she, he. Yes. She, he. Exactly. Just like in the Bible, it always refers to he. Yeah. But we refer to she in our, <laughs> in our healthcare field. It's a she. That's okay. Um, but yeah, it is interchangeable. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so that, so basically that's what a parish nurse does. Is she, she bridges that gap and she does that in a variety of, of ways. Uh, first off through education. Um, so, and advocacy, speaking on behalf of, or speaking, um, sort of elevating the person's belief system or their value system and, and helping a doctor or healthcare representative understand where that patient is coming from, especially if they have turned down a certain uh, type of treatment or, you know, um, it's just helping to helping the healthcare professional understand where the patient is coming from. Uh, she's a resource um, referral. There, most parish nurses have a, a great connection with all the resources that are in the community that relates to healthcare, which again, a pastor doesn't necessarily have. Uh, so she can refer off to a variety of resources, um, hmm. as well as just counseling, right. counseling on healthcare specifically. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, they can provide any level of counseling to, to the parishioners or to the, the congregation. Greetings, friends and listeners, to another Gora program on Praise FM. Our November theme and focus is on our emotions. So, of course, we want to address how our emotions are an integral part of all we are, our body, our mind, and our thoughts, our will to choose, our relationships, and even our relationship with God. As you will hear me say many times, we must start answering many of the questions we have with God as creator of all and in particular, creator of we as individuals. We must be fully convinced that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. Complexity, simplicity, interconnectedness, full of beauty, color, harmony, humor, sound, fragrance, flavor, and on and on. <clears throat> Not only that, but we must also see in the book of Genesis that God then, in the midst of all this creativity and beauty, handmade image bearers of himself. It says in Genesis 1, 26, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. As we progress further, we can see David writing a poem known in Psalm 139 that describes his own ponderings over God's plan and personal involvement in his creation, even before he was conceived and through the gestation period. David says with great emotion, You made all the delicate parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born, and every day of my life is recorded in your book. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God! They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. Now, as you heard me read this statement of David's contemplations on his own creation and God's personal involvement, you cannot help but feel that there is emotion rising in his inner being, 
coming out in words and statements and images. One of the great truths in God creating us in his likeness is that we did not need, he did not need to create us out of his own emotional and intellectual or relational need. He created just to share himself with created beings so that they could share in his glory and joy. It's obvious that God in creating us in his likeness also incorporated emotion into our makeup in order to share in all his glory, praise, and creative power and beauty. So all of this to drive home to all of us that we are created as whole persons in the likeness of God as his representatives on this earth, not separate independent parts of body, intellect, will, emotion. We are integrated persons with all of the elements working together and all of the parts of our whole personhood affecting and influencing all the others. So our emotions are very much a part of who we are created to be. And in the weeks to come, we're going to see how our emotions, like other parts of our makeup, have been impacted by sin, self-referencing, and must be guided by God's truth. The problems that lead us down wrong paths can be sourced in our emotions and can lead us into serious trouble. We need to remind ourselves that emotions like anger, fear, happiness, discouragement, anxiety are part of our makeup, but need to be managed and expressed in healthy ways so they do not control us. So when we talk of emotions, we must never dismiss them as contrary to our makeup as followers of Jesus. How we manage those God-given emotions with truth and the help of others and choices we make are the keys to a healthier emotional life. I conclude with the words of Jesus and the Apostle Paul, Jesus saying in Matthew 28, Come to me if you are exhausted and crushed by life's demands. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And the Apostle in Philippians 4 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting them into practice, all that you have learned and received from me. And everything you heard from me and saw me doing, practice them. Then the God of peace will be with you. So, Shannon, um, you know, many churches don't have a parish nurse, mm -hmm. and uh, I wish they did, but how important in your mind is a parish nurse just by way of what you just shared? Well, I may be a bit biased, but I am going to say that I feel that a parish nurse is just as important um, within a church as would be a youth pastor or a kids ministry pastor. Um, yeah, I, I see their role being um, integral in terms of the spiritual care of a congregation. Um, so yeah, I would say that it's, it's very important. And I know that it's, it's looked at as a luxury as opposed to a need, but I would strongly encourage pastors if they're looking to hire uh, someone to come on their team mm. uh, to consider hiring a parish nurse. Right. In your experience, you have had a positive one with the church you're working at. What elements are important to make sure that there is a positive experience for any parish nurse? 
Um, I would say um, to develop a health ministry team initially, uh, to get people on board that support this ministry. Um, so before I was even hired for almost, I would say two to three years before I was hired on staff, I was doing some background work. I was gathering all the information. I got resources, books, articles, whatever I could. Um, and I presented that to um, the, the, the pastoral team at our church initially. And uh, from there, one of the pastors in my church who was at that time, the congregational care pastor, I, I don't know if that's an official title or not, but that's kind of what he did anyways. Um, so he just loved the idea as well. And he started to do some research. So we kind of worked together and, and sort of built this role. And then when the time came, I brought on a bunch of other people. I handpicked people. I looked for people that had a background in nursing, had a background in social work, um, a variety of different um, areas of nursing as well. I think I had like three nurses on my team. Mm. But then I also brought in some lay people, people that I saw had that gift of mercy, had that, that desire to care for one another, who were involved in, in the visitation ministry of our church. And I brought them onto the team as well. So I think I had about eight or nine people initially on my team. And we developed this ministry without me being a parish nurse specifically. But that was the goal, was to move me into that position. So we built this ministry around me. We did a bunch of health fairs initially, just... Um, presenting this ministry to our congregation in a variety of ways and just really got the buy-in from first the staff and then the congregation so that when the time came for the pastor to hire me and I sat down with him uh, and we were also at that time in transition from one lead pastor to another um, so the pastor that came on the team was, was there for maybe about a year. Um, but because I had already been doing all background work, when I presented him with this role, he already saw it in action. Right. And um, yeah, he, he initially um, offered me 10 hours a week. Uh, and then I, I was bumped up to 20 hours. And that's where I've been for the last, I'd say, seven years of the time that I've been at Calvary is 20 hours a week. So 20 hours really means full time, 40 or 50 hours, right? <laughs> yeah, because basically you're on call as well, right? Um, depending on what your responsibilities are. But as you develop those relationships with, with people and you develop intimate relationships with them, especially those that are most vulnerable and they don't have somebody else to call on, you're the person. And yeah, I would get calls Sunday evenings, lots of evenings from some people. Mm. Um, and you can set boundaries around that as well. Um, but yeah, it's, I, was, I would always say I'm paid for 20 hours a week, but yeah. I work sure. much more than that. But I didn't want to work more than that. Like I didn't want to increase my time to full time. 
um, because I also liked the flexibility. So if I worked full time, then I would bank some of my hours and be able to take them off at a later date when things may not be quite so busy Right. And I could slow down a little bit and I could have some extra time off. So I really appreciated that flexibility of the role as well. Mm -hmm. Shannon, I just kind of bring up our context now in our world, uh, COVID-19, the pandemic. Are you finding a lot of people in the church that you minister at are really struggling with um, mental health issues? I would say, yes, they are struggling with it. However, they're not very vocal about it. Hmm. When, what I'm finding is that if you give someone the opportunity to share their experience, they will. Very few people take that initiative to say, I'm struggling right now. So talking um, is very important in this, yeah. in this season. Uh, I think it's important any season. But during this pandemic, it's very important that people have a, a, a venue, uh, a way to share how they're feeling. Exactly, exactly. And I think that it's important to have those, those opportunities um, opened up. Don't wait for the people to come to you. Just know that people are struggling. And even people that may not have struggled with their mental health before. Right. Um, are finding it really difficult because we've lost that community. That's mm -hmm. how we were created, right? We were created to be in community with one another. And that's been taken away from us to a certain extent. So and we have to be really creative around that. In what ways do you think we ha can be creative? Uh, technology has really um, allowed us to be creative. You know, um, these Zoom meetings, um, I mean, every, there's so many different types of Zooms, if I could say right. that, yeah. out there. I mean, I connect with a variety of organizations within the community, and I think I have four or five different apps um, on, my, on my computer that allows me to connect differently. So there's Google Meets, Google Teams, um, right. WebEx, um, right. Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, like there's so many mm -hmm. and it really allows um, that opportunity to connect face-to-face. Right. -face. It's not great, um, especially if your internet is not working well. <laughs> um, so there are still some glitches, but that's one creative way sure. uh, to be able to connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, the unfortunate thing is that especially with the senior population or the population that we would consider to be most vulnerable in our community, mm. they lack the technology to be able to do that. Right. Um, so it is maybe having um, different types of gatherings in groups of three, mm. uh, three or four people, right? Uh, right. Smaller gatherings, um, social distanced, of course, but um, being more intentional in, in regards to connecting with those that are most vulnerable. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm thinking about also uh, for those to, who don't have the technology that um, a lot of people have, I, I get from time to time a, a letter in the mail mm -hmm. and uh, it's uh, so nice to get and I feel somewhat special. Because they took the time, they could have emailed me, Zoomed me, uh, called me on the phone, which is, an, again, a good way. But 
uh, letters or cars or in the mail are uh, something to consider. Yeah, exactly. I actually did that uh, back when I think it was around the two month mark. Um, I started to send out uh, cards to especially the senior population of our congregation. And I received emails back from people. I received phone calls back from people. And I even received a couple of cards myself in the mail from those that I had reached out to and saying exactly that. Thank you so much for your message. Right. It was very simple, right? I didn't, I didn't make it a long letter. Um, but it was just a point of contact to let people know I'm praying for you. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of this radio show today. And uh, for those who are listening, uh, you can also go to our website and uh, hit the podcast after uh, Friday and listen to this uh, broadcast over and over again. And if you want some information, you can uh, reach out to agoranetworkministries.com or uh, email us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. So Shannon, thank you so much for being here. Well, again, thank you, Shannon, and have a great day. As we conclude our program, we want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast. For more information about Agora, we invite you to journey through our website, www.agoranetworkministries.com. Also, please subscribe while there or email us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. Until next time, may you know and experience the hope and healing that comes from the greatest healer, Jesus Christ.